You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Fresh numbers from provincial health officials tonight indicate BC is making progress in the fight against COVID-19. However, the spread in care homes, which has been a key concern, is the focus of some new measures. Provincial health officials revealing we have 34 new cases, bringing that total to 1,370. We have lost two more people. That is now 50 lives lost in BC. And with both cases and deaths in BC care homes still growing, the province is making some changes as to how care workers do their jobs. Keith Baldry reports. As I've been saying all week, we are not over the hump yet. And we are going to have a bumpy ride for a while. This weekend, with its warm weather, may be the key in determining how bad things may get for BC with COVID-19. Going into this long weekend, it's more important than ever that we keep going that everything we are doing now, we keep up. The latest numbers provide both hope and alarm. The number of hospitalizations continues to decline on a daily basis, but there has been another increase in the number of those in intensive care. More than 850 people have now recovered, but there is a rising number of cases in long-term care homes where 30 of the 50 deaths have occurred. We recognize that uh, residents of long-term care um, really and assisted living um, are very vulnerable to COVID-19. As a result of ongoing concern about the care homes, another order came today. It's official to implement a process to make um, it possible for care workers, health care workers of all kinds, to work at a single site only. Awesome, here we are. The new requirement of staff to work in a single care home is expected to cost $10 million a month, as many will require salary top-ups. So people who are earning a different amount in two different care homes uh, don't have to choose based on the amount they're earning, but can be cho chosen and assigned and worked the same amount, earn essentially the same amount regardless of the decision they make. So that's the reason why there's extra costs. The long weekend is almost upon us. Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix have stern warnings. Don't travel, socialize virtually and not in person. Stay home as much as possible and remember this. Let's make this a weekend to unwind, but to be kind. It's a weekend for us to stay at home and to appreciate what we have. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more evidence that BC is indeed bending that curve. Keith, some encouraging signs. Yes, and we're talking about hospitalizations, Sophie. I include the hospitalization number in all my reports because that is obviously, uh, including intensive care, the most serious cases out there. It's encouraging to see the number go down. But I also want to point out, a lot of people are leaving hospital over the course of this outbreak. Take a look at these numbers. There are 317 total hospitalizations since the outbreak began, but 185 people have been discharged. We don't really report on that, but that's a 58% clearance rate. So those are encouraging numbers. Hopefully the trend continues, and it will only continue if you obey Dr. Henry's uh, strong recommendations, stay at home, don't go out in large groups, keep your social distance, and keep washing your hands as much as possible. And don't touch your face. We'll see how it exactly. all works out after a sunny long weekend, Keith. Thank you. Now a disturbing glimpse into what could be the future across Canada from the country's top doctor. Chief Public Health Officer Teresa Tam has released the national COVID-19 projections. According to that modeling, somewhere between 11,000 and 22,000 Canadians will die from the disease. Aaron MacArthur has the details. Can the road. Get used to physical distancing. The measures in place likely to continue for months if Canada is to put a lid on COVID-19. This will be the new normal. 
until a vaccine is developed. With current measures in place, the virus will still kill between 11 and 22,000 people. In the short term, as many as 32,000 cases are expected by the end of next week. So it is a pretty dynamic process. However, we are trying to improve um, on every aspect of our response. Three scenarios have been laid out for the course of the pandemic. Two, where no or limited measures are put in place. Right now, Canada continues to be in the green zone, but no one knows how far along that curve we are. Can't tell whether you've reached the peak until after the peak had actually been realized. The good news in all of this is where Canada is at in the pandemic. The experience of earlier outbreaks in Europe have given Canada a head start on taking drastic measures. What's clear is Canada's outbreak is really a series of a dozen separate outbreaks. Quebec creating the most concern. But we know that it paints an incomplete picture as many more cases are not formally uh, detected or reported. These projections highly sensitive to behavior. If Canadians continue to self-isolate and limit physical contact, then we can limit the number of deaths and keep healthcare centers from being overrun. Even in the best case scenario, normal, still a long way off, likely late summer or early fall. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, the COVID crisis has triggered the largest drop in national employment since the government started keeping records. The latest Statistics Canada employment numbers show more than one million Canadians lost their job in March as tens of thousands of businesses shut their doors and laid off workers. That has pushed the national unemployment rate to 7.8 percent. We're also getting a clearer picture of the immense impact the pandemic is having on the workforce here in B.C. The latest employment numbers here show 132 2,000 B.C. workers have either lost their jobs or had their hours cut back significantly since the crisis began. Ted Trenecki reports. The Premier, usually a glass half-full kind of guy, actually used a four-letter word to describe today's job numbers. He said the situation was dire. I'm certainly concerned at the uh, massive uptick in unemployment across the country and here in British Columbia. More than 130,000 jobs were lost in March alone, the largest number in wholesale and retail at 40,000, accommodation and food 36,000, as hotels and restaurants all but close. Cultural and recreation lost almost 17,000 jobs, and not surprising, hardest hit are 15 to 24-year-olds. The challenges in things like film and uh, television, which is an enormous employer in British Columbia, completely ground to a halt, uh, not just in British Columbia, but across North America. In the Great Recession, the financial crisis, 2009, sort of the biggest monthly decline we saw during that rather significant recession was 10 or 11,000 in a single month. Last month, we had 130,000. And as bad as these numbers are, they're probably going to get worse. These are very negative numbers, but they're going to get worse into April. As for when to expect a turnaround, as the pandemic eases, some sectors will bounce back fairly quickly, but others, like tourism, won't. Problem really will be people's psychology. Saw a survey out this week that said that Canadians on average are going to wait six months, think about that one, before they travel again. The one plus is that unlike other provinces, Alberta, for example, B.C.'s economy was relatively strong going into the pandemic. The finance minister and premier both believe that because of B.C.'s economic diversity, this province is better positioned for an eventual turnaround. 
And although it's dire today, I think uh, we should be hopeful for the future that when the opportunity presents itself, British Columbians will step up and our economy will get back uh, to a very healthy position as quickly as we can possibly do it. Ted Chernock, Global News. Renters can now apply for the B.C. government's aid for those hit by the COVID-19 crisis. The program provides up to $300 per month for households with no dependents and $500 per month for households with dependents. Renters have to be eligible for employment insurance or the Canada Emergency Response Benefit or have a minimum 25% reduction in monthly income because of the pandemic. The government has also clarified the policy on roommates. Roommates are eligible. Uh, they are seen as separate applications. They need to meet all the eligibility requirements individually. And if they meet those requirements, they are uh, eligible for supports. The money will go directly to landlords, the province saying it hopes to have those first checks out in seven days. Well, you might be surprised that you can still purchase masks like N95s from reputable medical supply sites. But as Jordan Armstrong reports, the province says all personal protective equipment aren't created equally. They're the hottest item in the world. We need the masks. Overnight, we received a half a million N95 masks. So we wanted to see just how hard it is to find N95 masks in Vancouver. It turns out not very. It's kind of confusion where, confusing where we are at with the supply chain and on all those products. St. John Ambulance runs the website shopsafetyproducts.ca. On Saturday, Global News used the site to buy a box of 10 N95 masks. They arrived in less than 72 hours. No questions asked. No one's told us not to. You're not going to stop selling, particularly when you're a charity that has, you know, has cash flow issues. A charity that's been hit hard by COVID-19, laying off 70% of its staff. St. John relies on cash generated by its store to help fund its community outreach and training programs. We asked St. John if the government has called, interested in their masks. The answer was no. Offer it up totally. Whatever we have. Whatever we have, we'd offer up. Even though this particular mask is being sold by a medical supplier and is listed as an approved mask on the CDC website, the province says it's not up to standard for our frontline workers. The masks that, in this case it appears, uh, are large and with no metal nose piece to form the upper nose. Defective masks have been a problem in Toronto. That city recently recalled more than 62,000 surgical masks distributed to long-term care workers. What's key to remember is that it's not about quantity and speed of delivery, it's about quality and safety. And a reminder that just because the box says N95, not all masks are created equal. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. The city of Vancouver has resumed enforcement of permit parking zones in the West End. The goal is to prevent an influx of visitors to parks and beaches, especially as the weather gets better. People from other parts of the region have continued to drive in to enjoy the Seawall, English Bay and Stanley Park. On Wednesday, the park board closed off Stanley Park to vehicle traffic. The parking enforcement includes all permit parking west of Burrard Street and is effective immediately. BC's search and rescue organizations are joining the list of people asking us to stay home this long weekend. Rescue calls across BC were down dramatically in the first week of April, but search and rescue groups are worried the warm, sunny weather forecast for the weekend will be too much to resist. Catherine Urquhart reports. Very good. Ooh. 
On Vancouver's North Shore, hikers continue venturing onto trails and into the backcountry, despite requests from search and rescue organizations. We are just at the very bottom. We kind of get lost across that. Performing rescues amid a pandemic poses even greater risks than usual. We're really uh, encouraging everyone to, to stay at home, to isolate, um, to stay off the trail networks um, in the provincial parks so we can cut down on potential rescues, which will in turn keep our members, our volunteers safe. Many outdoor enthusiasts are listening, with rescue calls across the province down 50% compared to this time last year. But with a sunny, long weekend approaching, it's feared there could be a spike in calls for help. People are still heading out into the wilderness, and uh, that every time someone gets in trouble, it puts uh, a group of individuals at risk. Nothing is better for one's uh, sense of well-being than to have the sun on your face and the calmness of being outdoors. But you don't have to be at a park to exp- experience that. You can be in your own community. You can be in your own neighborhood. Some believe more closures and signage may be needed. And if they really don't want people to do it, they definitely need signs. They need to close the gate. The BC Search and Rescue Association says says it would be amazing if they received no calls this week. But with hikers ignoring pleas to stay off trails, that seems increasingly unlikely. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A coalition of groups that deal with BC's most vulnerable are asking the provincial government to take more urgent action. They say not enough is being done to protect the people who are most at risk from COVID-19. And that puts everyone at greater risk. Paul Johnson reports. Vancouver's downtown east side, one of Canada's poorest enclaves. And according to city officials, its 10,000 inhabitants are among the most vulnerable in the COVID-19 pandemic and are their top priority. Now we're talking about a whole new threat that's really hit us like a hammer. Thursday came a plea from a group you may not have heard of before, the BC Yukon Association of Drug War Survivors. Their message, while COVID-19 may have eclipsed the overdose epidemic in the public eye, it continues to rage on and is now aggravated by disruptions from the pandemic lockdown. It's happened so quickly, like nobody really would have predicted this happening, and we're still at kind of the cusp. This is such a vulnerable population that I think things could look way worse in uh, two or three weeks from now. Their request is for an immediate acceleration of efforts to house more people here and more opioids made available by prescription if necessary. This group makes an intriguing point. The most British Columbians right now are paying close attention to the recommendations of Dr. Bonnie Henry. But do they know, only about a year ago, Dr. Henry put out a report calling the opioid crisis in B.C. an emergency and calling for the decriminalization of drugs for personal use. Massive efforts are underway to help people who are homeless or help the downtown east side. Those are great. We're heartened by them, but we're not moving fast enough. If there's any theme to what these advocates are saying, it's this. Accept that people with addictions are a threat to themselves and others when they're on the streets and desperate to score. And whatever your moral stance about drugs may be, that's a debate for some other time. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Right now, though, the owner of a Port Coquitlam health food store has been put on notice for the claims he has made about how to prevent getting COVID-19. It was prompted by a sign posted on the storefront and led today to a visit by the city's bylaw officers. John Watt reports. It's a bold statement plastered on a storefront window for all to see. It's false advertising. They shouldn't be able to do it, right? This natural food store in Port Coquitlam, advertising supplements that prevent the spread of COVID-19. I asked him how much it's going to cost. He figures about $100 to $150. That's before taxes. And I said, well, how long do I have to take it? And he couldn't tell me. So far, proper social distancing and diligent hand washing, the key prevention measures recommended by BC's provincial health officer. So Global News asked the owner how he can make these claims. Why not? Well, because it gives people a false sense of security, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm a scientist. I'm an expert. Dr. Stephen Chung does not appear to be an epidemiologist or a medical doctor. Instead, advertising a PhD in nutrition and physiology. So you stand by the fact that these ingredients... Yes, I'm, a, I'm an expert. I'm a doctor. While compounds like quercetin are being explored as potential treatments, none have been proven to prevent COVID-19. It's so wrong on every level. You know, it, it gives people some false sense of security that, oh, I take some supplement and, and I'm immune. BC's public safety minister also not mincing words. Making claims like this will come with consequences. People need to understand that the best way to avoid catching this virus is to follow the instructions of the provincial health officer. While the owner insisted there was nothing wrong with the sign, he didn't want Global News capturing the proof on camera. If you're going to advertise this to everyone else, no. we can take a picture of it. But you should, no, you have no right. You better believe that there'll be a knock from bylaw on their door. Shortly after, that's exactly what happened. And while the owner eventually took the signs down, the message remains. And all natural food stores are now on notice. John Hua, Global News. After the mass termination of all its staff, Steve Nash Fitness World is now facing more legal action. The growing list of legal challenges includes Nash himself, who wants to have his name removed. And last year, a $20 million class action from employees alleged they weren't being paid properly. As Neetu Garcha reports, the company continues to remain silent even amid a second proposed class action being filed. And let's go! This is what the new normal looks like for Brenny Matute. The former group fitness instructor now teaching virtually from home was fired from Steve Nash Fitness World on March 24th. Termination with absolutely no notification prior to that, no payment uh, upon termination is definitely uh, a surprise for everybody and it has consequences. Now she's the lead plaintiff in a proposed class action lawsuit against the company, representing some 1,200 terminated employees. It alleges their contracts were breached by failing to provide notice of termination without cause or payment in lieu of notice. The suit seeks damages, including individual termination pay of up to eight weeks of wages and group termination payment of up to 16 weeks worth of wages. I believe that the termination that was set forward is not... Uh, because of the COVID-19 situation. I am afraid that it was premeditated, and this is precisely why the case is going forward. None of the allegations have been proven in court, and the company has not responded to multiple global news requests for comment on these issues, or this notice of intent to file for bankruptcy, and this title search of the company's other brand, Crunch Fitness in Surrey, which shows seven liens against the property, all filed within the last two weeks. I think that the people who, who run Steve Nash Fitness World 
have some explaining to do about how all of this happened, why it happened so quickly. Robert Finley is not representing any clients related to these cases, but he's heard from gym members who prepaid hundreds of dollars in personal training or were charged for memberships and haven't been able to get their money back. They were one of the first sort of employees to pull the plug and mass terminate all of their employees. And from my perspective, that's not necessarily uh, a requirement at this point. I mean, businesses should be able to look at their cash flows and determine, you know, what can we do? In one example, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says a B.C. small business owner who filed for insolvency due to COVID-19 took out an additional mortgage and paid employee severance out of their own bank account. A stark contrast to the situation Matute is in. Excellent rotation. Nitu Garcha, Global News. An update today to the story of a Richmond family that has been devastated by COVID-19. We told you on Wednesday that 47-year-old Warlito Valdez died at home while self-isolating in his bedroom. His wife, Flozier, who tried desperately to revive him, told Global News she doesn't know how she will support her four-year-old daughter and pay the bills with just her paycheck. A GoFundMe account was set up and as of this afternoon, is now pushing $120,000. And she is very grateful. Now we want to take a moment, just as we have been at the end of every news hour, to thank our BC Healthcare heroes. We've been asking you for your nominations, and tonight's comes from Karen Grayo, who's with Surrey Schools, and she is nominating the parent of one of her students. Mengstab Berain is a nurse at VGH. His son, Abe, recently honored his dad in a school assignment, asking him to share one thing he is thankful for. Well, Abe, who is nine, created this heartfelt poster and says he's very thankful for his dad who's been on the front lines at a bad time and while Abe is a little scared and worried his dad is strong and brave. Mengstad Bahrain also says uh, when he came home from work one day Abe called him over to his window where he had proudly posted that sign. A big thank you to Mengstab Bahrain for your dedication in this time of crisis. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, send us a picture or two and some details about why they're your hero to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca.